today we have with us Anika, Anika Lucas. Hello, Anika, welcome. First, tell us, Anika, where you are. I'm in Brooklyn, New York. In Brooklyn, New York, and you go to the New York Center? Yes. Are, are there a lot of devotees that live in Brooklyn? Well, the New York Center is a quite a large group, yes, and some of us, of course, are in Brooklyn. Some of the devotees are right in my neighborhood. And uh, yes, it's a very good large group that we have. You know, this is uh, worldwide, so some people will be interested in, in hearing about um, life in Brooklyn as a devotee. You have a big support group, it sounds like. How many do you think are in uh, the New York SRF Center? I'm not the right person to ask, but I think um, core members are several dozen and uh, several hundreds of people that, that come to the center. I started on the path in um, California at the Hollywood Temple, and I moved to New York uh, some years later, five years later. And so it was extremely difficult to come to New York after um, getting spoiled, really, in Southern uh -huh. California, and uh, being around the places where Master's presence was so strong, where um, it, it was very easy to, to, to find stillness and find inner stillness in those places. When I came to New York City, it wasn't only the outer noise and uh, circumstances that uh, made it difficult to meditate, but I also, I had been in therapy before, but I went and did some uh, deeper work here that uh, brought things up that just made it very difficult to uh, find that peace and to stay connected. And there were times when it was so difficult, I just had to remember an experience I had uh, with Ma, uh, Dayamata. That was the only thing at times that kept me going. Hmm. She had written a letter, but before I received the letter that she wrote, I'd had an experience. When I received her letter, I realized I had felt her prayer for me. And it was so powerful that I had been completely transformed. It was an experience. But also, she wasn't in that experience. And for me, it was so important to know that this, um, that Ma, who had such great power, never used it to attract someone to herself. It was really significant for me, and it was the, the, the one thing that I always held on to, that that was my personal deep proof. That was my proof. I had, had suffered as a child so much power abuse, and some of those people were very gifted and very smart and also had some, maybe even some spiritual um, gifts that they were misusing. So the fact that Ma had not attracted me to her, that was what was so important to me. And, and you said that was proof. And what was it proof of? It was proof both of her greatness, of her power, and of her humility. Mm -hmm. And that was meaningful to you because? 
I've been uh, sharing my story publicly for um, some years now, and so some some people may be aware of this. Um, but I was, as a child, I was um, I, I, I had extreme experiences of, of abuse, and that was abused particularly by people who had very um, prominent places on the world stage. Mm -hmm. I was rescued. Uh, from that situation and then Massa gave me this opportunity to use those experiences from my childhood and that trauma and suffering and it took me 30 years particularly to to heal from that trauma and of course we know that there's always the grace of God and Guru uh, connected to healing even as I changed I can say that I changed tremendously but there's always this magical element that you do the work, you do the work, and this is not just the spiritual work, but you do the work of healing from trauma. And then there is this change that happens when the neural integration happens and you see the world differently. But when and how that happens is magical. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, and I think magical because divine. That alchemy, that spiritual alchemy that turns all that struggle and angst and, and heartache and sorrow into divine blessing. Magical is a great word, <laughs> mystical magical for sure. If you moved to New York, you had a lot of struggle ahead of you there. And, and before that, you had this abusive childhood and a lot of pain there. How is it different looking back at it now with your spiritual perspective as it was when you were going through it? Is there a, a larger view, an expanded view, or a different view, or where you could just kind of with it all the time? Yeah, so the spiritual view was there all the time. I first came on the path, and then I went to the hardest part of the healing. And I have to say that the healing work, to me, is deeply spiritual. Healing from trauma is a spiritual journey that leads one into feeling, going to repressed feelings, that connecting those to the original psychological cause of that psychological pain. Merge the feeling with the cause creates greater expansion of consciousness. Literally expansion of consciousness when those merge there is this uh, physically, the neural integration that takes place. And so every cell will receive this new information. And you do change you, this emotional, spiritual growth takes place. And you are a different person. Mm -hmm. And everything gets better in your life. So it is specifically healing. And yet it is also spiritual. There's also the part of um, unseen part, perhaps of the practice of Kriya Yoga and the vibrational change that it makes in us to be able to understand and, and or not all the time understand, just transcend those parts of our experience that um, have been less than joyful. So um, that's another that's aspect. The magic. That is the magic. I think, yes, I do the work, you do the work, the, 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 the feelings, the crying, you know, the, it's the painful feelings that are repressed in the moment of trauma. So the journey is definitely uh, suffering. It's 
feeling that pain and feeling that. And in your view, do you have a place there that it was karmic stuff that you came to work out and possibly for your own good and maybe even to bless those individuals when you got to that place where you could? Absolutely. It was for my, I would say, first and foremost, my own karma mm -hmm. to work out, um, to learn my lesson. Absolutely. I was put in this position to understand and forgive. Yes, that's big. Those very people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And have you done that? Yes, because I'm doing really well. So it's easy. I don't have to forgive them. I'm, I'm doing really well. They, they played a, an, an important role for whatever reasons in your it, bless, a blessing in disguise, so to speak. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but let's just say that, yes, they were these actors on the stage and, and they're on their path, their journey, and Master can take care of them. I've been given everything to understand that on a cellular level. I really understand it. And I also, um, a lot of my work has to do with explaining that to others. Okay, so we have, we have two places to go um, here. One is, really want to hear about how you found Master, how he found you. And then I, we also want to hear about your work. Let's hear what what you're doing in the world to um, contribute to peace and harmony one day, one moment at a time. At the moment, my work, after the 30 years of healing, I started to share that healing going into the jails and prisons in New York. So I go to Rikers Island and um, prisons that, around New York City. That's just got to be tough. You know, it just sounds tough right, right off the shoot. Is it? Maybe not in a way you'd, you'd expect to, to work with the incarcerated uh, people is a joy. Oh. Absolute joy. Um, a lot of people are incarcerated uh, for very minor things, especially in the jails where we, where we really are working with people who are not even sentenced yet. They're oh. waiting to be sentenced. They're the poor who cannot afford bail. Oh. Who, are, who may be there on misdemeanor charges, and others not, of course. I found a lot of good-hearted people in the jails. Mm -hmm. What do you do with, when you go we to... We bring yoga and meditation, and, or, and we, we call it trauma-informed yoga and meditation. So it's not what you'd find in a yoga class. And I trained uh, others to go in. We have an organization. We have 35 teachers. We have... Um, oh about 20 programs per week and I train people the way that I go that we go in that's to say that we don't differentiate we share from the heart so we uh, allow people to go inside themselves and to be really unconditionally present and so master's love that is what we try that is what, what I try to convey and that is what I think comes in for others as well. I developed a system called the unconditional model. I'm writing a book about that. That is a way to provide any program that can benefit people to uh, teach it, to, to bring that program in a certain way 
that makes it much easier to receive. Okay, so any therapeutic type of program yeah. can benefit by this procedure that you've developed. And when you say you bring master in, are you actually bringing in SRF materials or what are you doing there? Very little. I sometimes give out um, the autobiography or uh, even the smaller, the little booklets. Um, metaphysical meditations or um, healing affirmations I'll bring those in and I've had definitely people really really you know hold those closely to their heart but no what I mean mostly is uh, evoke master's presence and love so that he can come and bless everyone there and so, so silent, silent bringing in more of an emanation of his teachings and blessings than than verbalization of it and, and the model is about really loving unconditionally, about being able to be unconditionally present with someone, which is, of course, what Master is. The perfect example of that is Master and the, the great ones of the path. Right, right. So you go in and, and, and you, um, you provide them with a space to get out of their trauma place. Case to just be, yeah. And, I, and the yoga, is it hatha, or is it more the philosophical side, or both, or is it something else? So it's every class has meditation. Uh, we also always have discussion as well. We connect with people. And then hatha yoga is based on the group. So some classes have hatha yoga, and other classes have very little or mm -hmm. none. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you you are there consciously and and interacting with the group where Absolutely. they're at, rather than um, a, slapping on a program on them. Yes, it's more interactive. Okay, and um, the question is that's in my mind right now, Anika, is when you say you you do meditation. Of course, Master uh, defines meditation as concentration on God. Um, do you bring God into your sessions? Actually, no. We, we say also for agencies that we work with, we uh, present as a secular group so that we don't interfere with perhaps a, a, a lot of people in uh, jail and prison have a religion. Mm -hmm. And so we don't want to uh, interfere or some people are actually still afraid of that yoga is from the devil. So mm -hmm. we just say that it's about light. And we also, the meditations are all, because it's trauma-informed, we guide everything. So they would be more maybe visualizations mm -hmm. to get, give people a sense of their self beyond the physical body. Okay, uh, that, that makes perfect sense. Now that kind of pulls it all together. Okay, anything else about that before you tell us the golden story? <laughs> No, I can tell the golden story. That's perfectly. <laughs> no, so I love my work. I can say that. It's a great uh, joy to... And you do private practice too. Yes, I, I also have a private practice. And as a survivor, I survived sex trafficking, it's called. And I'm also an advocate for sex trafficking victims. And in that respect. That's actually how I'm more known than um, I, I have a TED talk um, that is really about my past and sex trafficking more than more so than um, my work in the prisons. Okay. 
So when I work one-on-one -on -one with people, it's the work that I've done with survivors over the years. And because I've done so much work about surviving from sexual abuse, that usually I can um, save time for people on the healing journey. Also, and you don't have to try to understand what they've been through because you've been through it. Exactly, I've been cut through, through a lot of that and just get to the core. I'm, I'm imagining. And don't waste time in our sessions. We, we get to what can be helpful. And thank you for bringing it up because I did want to say that I want to offer a special rate for anyone who's listening. Oh, okay. Okay, it's golden time. So, my life is pretty dramatic, and. Um, the way I met Master is also very dramatic. I'm not a dramatic person, though. <laughs> so you know. But um, I was uh, trafficked at the age of six and rescued at the age of 11. And before I was rescued, I was in a situation that actually took my body. I had been tortured, and I went to the other side. Uh, as in dying? I died, yes, I died. Your death experience, would you call it? You know, it's called near death, but it feels more like a full life experience. Huh. Okay. So I, I like to call it a full life experience. <laughs> okay. Um, during the times that were the most difficult, I had often felt a loving, benign presence with me. And, and often I had received insights that helped me through specific ordeals. Hmm. And... I had also often seen a light, a beautiful light that was always offering comfort. I had started meditating um, spontaneously as a, as a child in that situation, sitting still, and seen beautiful yellow sun before me, whether eyes were open or closed. Mm. That would remain still, even though I would put my head up and down. And that light brought comfort but also information sometimes so it was i felt that that light was consciousness itself and when i passed through that light was before me and something occurred and the light was making me aware of what happened and i had to do something that i didn't want to do i had to make the decision and once i made a decision and i had to i went and, and, and helped someone hmm. um pass and and then I was completely divinely guided in that moment. I never, I didn't feel at any moment that it was me. Mm. I felt that I was completely guided to help this person pass. And pass, help them. pass, pass as in die. Yes. Okay. Help them get over their fear of not existing once they pass mm -hmm. so that they could leave the body. Mm. And once that was done, I was sitting by that person and then I also suddenly there were shafts of light all around me. Wow. And I found myself out of time and space with Master. And I didn't know if this was man or woman, but I knew this being better than anyone and also just was enveloped by this tremendous love that, you know, I've never felt this incredible beauty of this being with these eyes that just spoke of 
all the worlds all together. This, all the wisdom of all the worlds was in each little glint of these beautiful eyes. Oh. So I immediately was reminded of my, my past and my, our relationship to know what this was about. Mm-hmm. And of course, there was no darkness there at all. It was all light. And then uh, I was given this experience, so um, it was an audience. It was not a vision, it was an audience. There were other beings there who were already devatas, who were clearly graduated from this plane, who were with Master. And I was given some information, some information about the the, the future also, but, but mostly it was that I had this experience of bliss and unconditional love so that I would know what to strive for in my life. Wow. Mm -hmm. Because I would have been at risk without that experience. I would have been at risk to search for the pseudo forms of love that I had found in my life up until then. So I was given this experience to look for the real deal. Yes, yes. Uh, and I just uh, as a little aside, I think that's what happens in deep meditation too. You get a little touch of what reality is, what divinity is, and uh, so that when you go back to your day to day and and whatever struggles are there and opportunities for service, that you've got something to strive for. Gyanamata said, um, see the goal always shining before you. And we get to see that goal in these uh, very special experiences. And they're, they're so deep, they stay with us and they change us. Okay, so back to your story. You had this inexpressible, I'm sure, in its totality experience. And so how did you actually connect your inner sight of Master with the outer experience of Guruji. In 1993, I was at uh, the Bodhi Tree Bookstore mm-hmm. in Los Angeles, and I saw there a poster with Master's face on it, um, which was for the, the picture that's on the autobiography of the yogi. Um, and I, I was stunned, and I had the same, I, I, I thought, man or woman, I had the same confusion about gender and I and, and I, I something was starting to come back but I was I was just completely floored seeing that picture so I bought the autobiography you know it was a strange experience because I didn't really get so much back from reading the autobiography um, and a lot of resistance came up but I I found out soon after so I was I'd started to do um, physical hatha yoga. Mm-hmm. And at the hatha yoga center, one of the teachers was a devotee. And he said, oh, you're reading the autobiography well. The Hollywood temple is right here, which was 10 minutes from where I lived. Uh-huh. So I, I, I went to Hollywood temple and there was Brother Bhaktananda. <laughs> whom I didn't, I have to say, you know, again, I knew that I was seeking humility. And I, and I, I had heard 
ma, guy ma, on a tape. And I heard her and I said, she has humility. And I want it. And I don't have it. I know I don't have it. <laughs> and with brother, um, I didn't even see it in him. You know, he was so good at hiding. But I was serving at the temple. And one day I came in and... I, I'd been tired. Um, I, I didn't really wanted to get up, and and I'd come anyway. And he he passed me by, and he said, "Thank you for coming." Oh, today. oh. And, and, I, and I and I and I said, you know, sure. I nodded, and he 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 looked at me and looked me in the eye and said, "No, thank you." <laughs> so there were these little moments where brother, you know, revealed that he he was very uh, much uh, speaking for master all the time. And brother actually was my counselor and he corrected an error of mine that I made in a past life. And he corrected it. He said, no, 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 no. <laughs> and he, like no one ever in life, made me aware of my role, my role in, my, in, in the physical world, what, what that was about. Um, in the largest possible sense that that was him he was just completely universal he was omnipresent personified <laughs> he was he was master he was completely one with master most of the time i didn't see it at all mm -hmm. um, but it was a blessing to be there and uh and on the on, on alternate weeks we we'd go to um pasadena temple at the time where brother ananda moy was giving lectures <laughs> So we were very spoiled and, oh, Brother Anandamoy, we would go and clean the temple sometimes and he would um, supervise. He was just, just such incredible sweetness that I'd never seen in any men. You know, I, I, had, I had some issues with men. Brother Anandamoy uh, was so sweet, so sweet. And lots of wisdom, you know. I, I, Brother Bhaktananda made jokes and... When I first entered, when I first started going to the temple and a lot of people were devotional there, I kept thinking, well, you know, everybody here's a hypocrite. And Brother Bhaktananda kept making this joke um, in public, you know, not to me personally, but in, well, he kept saying, you know, and if, if you think that, you know, if you think that all these people here are just hypocrites, you know what I always say, there's always room for one more. <laughs> <laughs> I must have heard this joke like four or five times before I realized that he was that it was for me and that I was being the hypocrite. So he, he had those little jokes, but again, very difficult to tell um, what he was really, what he really was. But with Brother Ananda Moy, there was so much wisdom in his talks. I learned so much. And... You know, for five years, I was there and serving at the temples, and um, then we moved to New York. And then we come back to the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're back to the beginning. Well, wow, that's quite some some story. And one of the thoughts that I'm, I actually have two that are kind of rolling around in my head now. One is, in hearing your story, I get kind of a larger view where Guruji says, we don't come to this path at the beginning of our 
spiritual journey. We come at the end. It just makes so much sense that so many of us do have a lot of trial and trauma and, and dark past and whatnot. You know, I, I really feel, Anika, that we're just working off the rest of the dross so we can fly. You know, yes. and on the other side, we must have said, lay it on me. I'm ready because I'm right. not gurgy. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Just give it to me. Just give me everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know so many devotees that are like, oh, my gosh, they must have just asked for all of this, you know, just to get it done and, and, and be done because the reality of things is so much more than what the, what the senses can even begin to express. I think Dayamata says, uh, speaks about this also that, or maybe I'm misquoting uh, Dayamata, I hope not, but I, certainly one of the monastics has spoken about that when, you know, we have a, a life that's full of trouble and trials, you know, that is, that is the spiritually rich life. Yeah, Master says a smooth life is not a victorious life. It's like, well, okay, victory home. And I was going to ask you if you had heard uh, Brother Ananamoyji's tape, our CD, on uh, how to maintain during tests and trials. Tests and trials is in the title. And I was just telling someone else that it was so striking for me, and you've brought it up again, that Ananamoyji said that when we have these tests and these trials, I think this is what you might be referring to, that they're natural and they're necessary. And they're a great blessing because we get to grow spiritually and learn things in those adverse situations that are impossible. And he says it's impossible to get when things are going smoothly. And, and then he enumerated them. And uh, I might say this a hundred times on these podcasts because it's really in my head. He said, what you learn in those times is patience, endurance perseverance, surrender, and unconditional love for God. Oh, Jai Guru, you know, just Jai Guru. So you cannot take the spiritual bypass, and, and Brother Anandamoy speaks about that as well. You can't just do the Kriya and not uh, deal with life. You have to deal with life. And so bypassing doesn't work we have to go through it we have to go through the hard times and learn from them and, and learn from them and so i had all my hard times in in the past but i felt everything as an adult so there's no bypassing you have to feel it but then i'm truly grateful today truly grateful because what i learned i would have never learned that i would have never learned what i learned if I had it any different way. And so now I have no regrets even. I was just thinking, I was walking by an apartment where I used to live that was much, much um, bigger <laughs> than where I live right now. And I also owned it. And I was thinking for a moment, oh gosh, that stayed. And then I thought, if I had stayed there, then this, that, 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 and that, and that, would not have happened. Oh. And I would be the same arrogant, <laughs> um, 
ignorant person than I was then. If I wouldn't have had the hardship of needing to face my financial situation and be empowered in every way, not just in a, that way. I had to really find it myself. And so everything that I can think about that I would wish that I don't have, I have to come back to the honest reality that I wanted everything that I've had and I'm grateful because I wouldn't not want to know what I know. I wouldn't not want to have learned what I've learned. Yes, yes. I, I think the beauty of it, um, Anika, that all the devotees have to uh, experience is that at least all the ones I've known, and it seems like it's a ubiquitous kind of uh, a realization or insight, is that Guruji in his grace and great love and his job to pilot us out of the clouds of our minds gives us exactly what we need uniquely. And, you know, I often think that, um, you know, Guruji came to do that job to pilot me out of the clouds of my mind. And I might stumble and, and not be up to the mark, but he cannot fail. And so we're home free, you know? We have to do the work for sure, but it's guaranteed. Yes, you, you mentioned meditation. Yeah. So if I may um, say this just to end, it's like I feel like we're climbing this mountain and meditation is definitely the rope. Yeah, the tether. The rope that's yeah. keeping us tethered. The safety. The yep. safety, absolutely. And Good Master, point. of course, is our, is our guide. Yes. But yeah. he's all around. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, he, he manifests like uh, Krishna did for, for the, the, the gopis, right? Each one has their own, their own Guruji. All right, my dear. Well, I wish you well, and I'm sure that devotees all over the world are wishing you well, and we're all praying for one another. So, Jai Guru. Thank you, Brenda. Jai Guru. Jai Guru. Well, dear friends, it's wonderful to hear these stories, isn't it? And in just a few moments, I have a great quote of Guruji's to share with you. But first, if you would like access to the private page where guest contact and other information is posted, it's free and easy. Just email to subscribe to the mailing list. The email address is subscribe at soulcallsinfinity.org. For those of you who may be driving or jogging while listening, no worries, the link to subscribe will be in the show notes. The Chela de Chela podcast is sponsored by Soul Calls Infinity, and the music is courtesy of Soul Calls Music Meditations by Saranya. I'm your host, Brenda Roberts, and I'd love to share your story.
email me for guest guidelines and preparation details. That's Brenda at soulcallsinfinity.org. Looking forward to sharing the next episode with you, where we'll be meeting another uniquely devoted disciple of our beloved Master, Paramahansa Yoganandaji. And now, in closing, let's listen to this quote of Master given by Brother Lauchalanandaji in the 1986 Self-Realization magazine. Master said, We all come from God. Once we were strangers, but when we love God, we become brothers and sisters. That relationship is the strongest of bonds it holds now and in the hereafter. So, dear ones, until next time, let us join together in affirming it's a wonderful life with Guruji in it. Jai Guru Jai. Ooh. Mm-hmm.